just biting his nails. Jordan Vasquez, intern extraordinaire, cutting up sound. We have any gay, good gay sound, Jordan? Thumbs up. Anything good from gays yet? We do? Well, relay it to these guys, and then we can play it, and we can have a whole little fun segment of uh, radio. So I'll communicate back there. Real quick. Uh, I want to go through this real quick that has nothing to do with sports. Um, you know what? I'll save this for later. It's the best American chain restaurants as ranked by the big league. And I, the big lead, and I totally disagree with it. But this comes in on the uh, Cold Springs Automobile Honda text line 67974. Lori and Sampson hiding behind the bush like Spicer had Ric Flair to break the news to A.J. Ramos that he got traded to the Mets. Is that true? Is that true? That Ric Flair broke the news of the trade to A.J. Ramos? That's not true. Is it? You gotta be. I mean, come on. Even the Marlins wouldn't do that, would they? That seems ridiculous. Here was the question I asked Captain Curtis yesterday. If the Marlins are sold, okay, regardless of the ownership group, if the Marlins are sold, when they're sold, I should say. So you have a new ownership group. And you're starting over, basically. What, what, how would this town react to, sorry, let me rephrase this. Here's the question. Can this town be a consistent backer of baseball in this city if you flushed out Lorian Sampson, brought in a new owner that was committed to winning, and didn't break your heart 78,000 times and didn't misstep every step that they took? Can this town not be a baseball town? I'm not asking this town to be Boston or New York or Philly or whatever, St. Louis. But can this town, can, can we get to the point where we can have 20,000 fans at a game every night and not not fake count 20,000 like actually 20,000 people in the seats I mean obviously look they're gonna have to be decent right they have to be somewhat uh, decent Uh, let's say 500 or better but do you think because we had the Marlins had a good following when they started in 93. Joe Robbie was packed. They won in 97. Wayne uh, sells off the, everybody on the team. Boom, it goes down again. Gets built back up. Loria takes over. He lucks into 2003. Boom, goes down again. They try to build it back up with a Jose Reyes, Heath Bell, that whole situation that lasted like three months. Boom, it goes down again. So... The fans of South Florida have not really been given consistently good or decent baseball for a good amount of time. Let's just say, let's give it a five-year stretch. New new ownership takes over, and you get a five-year stretch of competing. Maybe you don't win a World Series, but you're in in the hunt. You're you're, You're at least good. After those five years, are we at the point where this town is behind baseball 
and you get 20000 a night at Marlins Park. Do we ever get to that point? Or are you a naysayer and a negative Nelson? I had to think of a male end name because normally it's a negative Nancy, but, you know, most of our audience is males, so I had to, yeah, okay, you see what I did there. So are you a negative Nelson and just say that, hey, baseball, it's not working here. Doesn't matter. I think that given, okay, first of all, the Dolphins always draw, always do well uh, because they're the Dolphins. They've been here the longest. And you have enough generational interest in the Dolphins where it's been passed on now third, fourth generation. So you have that. The Heat has gotten to that point, and that's because, one, they're always competing, but two, <clears throat> we've realized the stability of the ownership, the stability of the the front office, and the stability of the coaching staff is going to constantly bring you success. May not win a championship, but success. Always going to be in the mix. The Panthers have never given you anything other than one Stanley Cup run and a couple of playoff chances here and there, few and far between. They, but they have a diehard, literally 20,000 fans in South Florida care about the Panthers, and they're either at the games or they're not because their radio ratings and their TV ratings are abysmal, like less than zero, negative. They could do negative ratings, and that's what they would get. The Marlins, on the other hand, have seen both, have seen a ton of support and no support. Now, we're at the point whereas the crowd of people at Wawa on Sterling and Davy Road the other day when they opened was bigger than the average crowd that is actually at Marlins Park for a baseball game. I would like to get to the point. I'm not saying this ever has to be a baseball town. I'm not saying that. But it would be refreshing to have an ownership that cared, that didn't stomp on the necks of fans, and my kid could buy a Marlins jersey and have faith that, you know, five years from now, like I have with, you know, uh, my Heat jersey, right? Like I have my Heat 2006 t-shirt. I can wear that around. It's 11 years later and be proud of it. Like, I want my kid to be able to buy a Marlins shirt and, you know, obviously it may not fit him in five years because he's, he's a growing boy, both vertically and uh, horizontally because he's a London. Um, but I would like, you know, some high school kid to go buy a Marlins t-shirt and then he gets out of college, he's going to work out of the gym, he wears the same Marlins t-shirt working out of the gym and he's like, hey, I remember they only got this T-shirt. They had so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and those guys are still on the team, and we're doing well. Because right now, like, I go to whip out. I have plenty of gear from when they won it in 97 and in 2003, and I just look at it and I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's, like, I, I just skipped those T-shirts. I, I mean, and they fit me now. I'm back down to that size. So, 
uh, I just I would like to get to the point where we have pride in the Marlins consistently, where we're not making fun of the attendance, and we're not slamming ownership, and uh, you can be a kid growing up and have a team, a franchise in this town that you can look up to, much like you do the Dolphins or the Heat. Um, certainly it wouldn't be the Panthers. Well, I think you said it, Beast. It's the ownership. I mean, I'm new to Miami, so I don't know the fan base like you guys do, but what I see is people are fed up with Laurie and the way that he's running the team. It's not so much that they don't have the support. I think they do have the support. There's people that love baseball here, and there's people that love the Marlins. A lot of them are not willing to go to the park right now. Yeah, I mean, that's been, that's been an old thing. Like, I'm not going to the park as long as Laurie owns a team, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't know that. Like, I see, that is the outside person's assessment, right? Matt's coming down from Orlando. Matt's coming from places that are not here. And that's his assessment just from the outside looking in. The uh, the old uh, cliche 35,000-foot view, right? But I'm not sure anymore. I'm really not sure if there are all those Marlins fans waiting in the wings to jump back on it. I don't know anymore. Ten years ago, I would have said you're right. But I don't know anymore. I agree. How far have they been pushed? Oh, no. They've been pushed further than uh, me trying to get into my uh, large T-shirts. I've ripped a couple of those. You know, I've lost all this weight and been going to the gym. You know, I get a little ahead of myself. Go to the, uh, my closet is broken up. It's like, it's like the rack at the store. Right, you know, you have all the like small, medium, large, and you have the little circle things that are on the rack. That's how my closet is broken up because I have clothes from all different weight classes. It's like trying to go one size to uh, to like, yeah, I'm working up, all fit. I was on the elliptical for 45 minutes the other day. Yeah, I'm gonna try to bust myself into an extra large. Yeah, that didn't happen. Another 80, 90, 100, 400 pounds, whatever, whatever it takes. I'll get there. That'll be super sexy. Then I'm going to start waxing my chest. It'll be wonderful. How about this? Speaking of waxing my chest. All right. I'm going to go off on a tangent. Uh, so, I'm at the dermatologist the other day, and those of you that follow the Midday Show know that uh, I actually, uh, I don't often get to see the actual dermatologist. He's too busy, like, doing uh, surgical procedures that make him a ton of money. And he's only in the office like for like an hour a day. So I see his hot nurse practitioner, blonde, hot. And unfortunately, I'll just for those of you that missed it, the occasion of us meeting the first couple of times was I had a situation skin-wise in the undercarriage area. So here I have this hot dermatological registered uh, nurse practitioner uh, digging into my uh areas and that's how we met and so it's been kind of embarrassing but uh so this past time i went to see her i have a problem i have have skin issues runs in my family my son has whatever uh but i've got one of one of my issues is folliculitis which is all the ingrown hairs and what have you the shave bumps and all that stuff like it's like white people aren't supposed to get no i that's i get that uh, and it's on the back of my neck, and it's it's horrible. It's horrible. So, uh, and when I sweat, when I go to the gym, my my skin actually, my pores are so messed up, uh, my skin actually 
burns when I sweat. So I go back, go see my, uh, my lovely girl, Ashley. And she's looking at my face with the special magnifying glass. She's examining my pores. And she's like, you need to do this, this. You need this medicine, this medicine. Of course. You know, this medicine, whatever, all this stuff. You need to do this. And she's like, she's like, let me make a suggestion. And I need your, um, I need your, uh, your take on this on the uh, Coral Springs Automobile Honda text line 67974 or at Buy Me Radio Beast. She's like, I think what would be good for you is if you had your beard laser treated off. Like, you know how you, women get the laser hair removal, you know, under their arms or, you know, their brows or, or their upper lip, whatever, because they don't want to do any kind of hair removing anymore. She's like, I think you should do laser hair, laser hair removal with your beard. That would solve your problem. You wouldn't have any uh, of these ingrown hair, folliculitis, skin uh, situations if you just got rid of your beard with laser. And one, I kind of like having facial hair. And two, how costly is that going to be? And three, isn't that going to hurt like a bitch? And four... Don't they drag you in there 17 times to go get that done? And five, am I going to look like a freak if my beard is lasered off? Because I'm trying to get sexy here, and I don't want to look like a freak. Okay, I throw all that out there. We're going to take a break. Joe Frisaro, MLB.com, will join us to talk about the Marlins. Now now, now uh, we're getting some reports of D. Gordon being shopped around. Are we doing it again? Well, let's just stomp on the fans again. Joe Fasaro joins us next here on The Ticket. Back here on a Saturday, the Beast Brian London. Got some Marlins news late last night. Closer A.J. Ramos sent to the Mets for two prospects. Got to dive into this one a little bit. So let's go out to the Orion Fuels and Downstairs Convenience Store's guest line. They're truly steps beyond convenient. Joining us there, the aficionado on your Miami Marlins. He writes for MLB.com, Joe Fasaro. Joe, how are you, sir? Peace. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing uh, wonderful. Sorry to interrupt your day, but we appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Uh, so take us through this uh, A.J. Ramos trade. Oh, okay. I mean, this thing, I was hearing anything that could go up until Monday's deadline. Or any time, you know, there, things is, are very moving very rapidly. Uh, relievers are coming off the market pretty fast. Um, you know, David Phelps was attracting more interest, and that's why he, he went first. And, um, you know, one of our guys, you know, uh, A.J. Ramos, uh, homegrown, drafted, 21st rounder in 09, uh, basically came up from being a little-known prospect to an all-star. But, you know, where this team is going um, – you know, which is in a rebuild mode, which I believe is where they need to be going. Uh, AJ became uh, the latest piece to be moved, and I think we'll have at least two more before Monday. But uh, it came, you know, mildly surprising. The Mets were the team, considering they're kind of, you know, teetering also. They seem to be hoping maybe to retool for next year. Um, And they offered the prospect package. They got the deal done. The, The intriguing guy is the uh, A-ball pitcher Gonzalez, who is uh, got a lot of upside, they say. Throws hard and, you know, profiles as either being a rotation piece. And I'm hearing, worst-case scenario, he might be an eighth-inning or ninth-inning guy. So, um, you know, interesting, you know, interesting prospect to, to follow. But 
in the meantime, we say goodbye to a popular uh, guy in AJ Ramos. Yeah, talk about that. I saw your tweet uh, saying goodbye to AJ, which is you know a little odd, uh, but all the beat writers it seemed to, to to do that this morning or last night, which was to say goodbye to AJ and and wish him the best. That guy evidently was. Cons- I mean, I'm not around the clubhouse like you are, but consummate professional and someone you guys love to cover. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you develop when you're so embedded in covering baseball. It's easy, and that's why fans get so attached. And, you know, it's you're, you're around them. You see them. If uh, You know, I did a Father's Day story on his father last year, uh, very accommodating. He'd be his father's number. I met his father. It's ironic. He was just in Texas, and we were thinking it'd be real terrible if they trade him in Texas because he's from Lubbock, and there are about 200 Ramos family members and friends <laughs> there, including Pops. And I'm like, this would be really awkward if they, if they did it then. So I was kind of hoping it wouldn't happen then. And then they did the promo. He, you know, he was basically the big promo for – Rick Flair last night, and, and uh, so it, you know it, it kind of was kind of interesting and fluid. But you know we're reminded of the coldness of the of the business of it. And AJ, you know AJ's making six and a half million, so he's going to be fine, and his salary's only going to go up next year. So uh, yeah, you, you develop a bond that you probably don't get into too many sports with these guys because you see them so much, and you see them at downtime, you see them playing ping pong with his teammates, you see them. You know, if you need you need something, he'll wait around and help you with it. You know, so that, that level you, you're always appreciative, and you just kind of when when these moves are made, you you kind of hope for the best for the player, and then the best for the organization as they move forward. Talking with uh, Joe Fasaro does an amazing job and has for a long time for MLB.com and covering the Marlins, which is a a tough beat, uh, no doubt about it. Baseball is a grind to cover. Um, uh, Joe, what's what's next on uh, what what could be happening before the deadline here? I just saw well, a tweet from somebody that you know the the D Gordon is uh, is up there being shopped around. What else what else could happen? I think today, and to be honest, one of the reasons I was linking back to you guys is uh, AJ um, Ellis. The Marlins could be parting with two AJs in in two days. You know that guy I heard could be moved anywhere from once by the time I woke up until the time I get to the clubhouse in an hour. Uh, and I think he could be moved at some point today. And Dan Straley's interest is going to really, really accelerate in the next 48 hours, especially once um, Sonny Gray is moved. And, you know, it kind of for the, the, the followers, uh, your listeners that aren't really kind of tuned in on what's going on in this process of trades, you, you have your upper-tier guys, and Sonny Gray and you Darvish are there. One, Sonny Gray has more controllable years. Darvish is like heading to free agency. So the compensation in return is completely different. And starting pitching is in real high demand from the contenders. And as soon as, let's say, Gray comes off the board, everyone that didn't get Gray is going to be jumping on Dan Straley. So that one literally could come down to to Monday. Uh, Steve Gordon would really shock me if he's moved, but I wouldn't be shocked if they move him. Uh, and they're going to look to make moves uh, in the offseason. And, and Beast, I know, it's, we've, we've been through it before. Everyone doesn't like the, the cleaning houses and the rebuilds. But this organization and this team right now, is really headed nowhere. This is a sub-500 team with, with depleted pitching, uh, an offense that's kind of overperforming right now if you look at advanced data. And they're basically doing because Stanton is having a monster year. And the only way they're going to really kind of move it forward is to strip it down and then and then take it. That's another conversation we could have. But, but to me, that's the reality of it. And uh, there are really no shortcuts. They don't have a minor league system. And now these trades they made, the three between Echeverria, David Phelps, and and now AJ is a really good start. They had a decent draft, getting A Rod's nephew among others. So they, they seem to kind of now 
at least at the lower levels. And, and once you get to Jacksonville, that's double A. You got a bunch of guys that are knocking on the door at, at A ball. So within the next two years, I think you're going to start seeing some players come through. And that's really the only way you win. You, the, the baseball, like you said before, is too much of a grind and it's too much to rely on eight players or 15 players. If you don't have the organizational depth, you're really just kind of fooling yourself. So uh, it's painful. We don't like it. But if they do it right, you know, that's the main thing. Is there anyone that's on this roster right now, Joe, that's in that clubhouse that you truly believe is 100% safe and will not be traded? No. I think it's – and that's probably the, the way to go. Now, okay, a couple of different scenarios. Uh, let's say um, Jorge Massas uh, gets this team. Right. And somehow he merges with Derek Jeter. And to me, Derek, Derek Jeter is another story, too. I think Derek Jeter is the key. If you're a Marlins fan, you want Derek Jeter part of the ownership group. Why? Why? Real Regardless, quick. Real quick. Why? Why? Because, yeah. why? Because Derek Jeter is going to bring uh, the most baseball savvy, the most uh, credibility, street credibility, and he's going to bring in people, and I've heard a few names, that you want to have running your team. So if that scenario doesn't happen, then we don't know who the front office is going to be. So, But that's, but that's another story. Stanton Stock, as much as, as painful as it'd be to lose a guy like him, um, you know, keep in mind, he's, you know, what have we always said before? Oh, he's always hurt. He's not worth the money. This is what happens when he plays. This is how good he is. So do you roll the dice? He's 27. He'll be 28 next year uh, that he's going to hold up yet again. Or, but as soon as he doesn't, you're looking at 25-plus million on the books for like 10 straight years. So if you're not ready to win, if you're ready to win, you want Stanton with you, obviously. But if Stanton's tied into uh, a Moss, let's say, rebuild or re- restructuring where you say, okay, we'll keep our outfield, we'll keep Real Muto, and uh, you know, we'll kind of take it from there, um, I- I'm fine with that too. But I'm not sure you could really get it there. I-, I don't really like what the Mets are doing. You can't half rebuild. You know, you got to kind of do what the Cubs did, the Astros did. Uh, you know, that's kind of the way to go. You know, you, you kind of strip it down. You get as many assets, as many good picks, and as many good players, and obviously you win with impact players. And, th- and then you take it from there. You can't really kind of shortcut it. If you could, you might have one lucky year where everything falls your way, but it just does not happen very often in the big leagues. So, so if I'm a – yeah, I don't think any of the players expect to be. You know, as much as Real Muta makes no sense on a lot of levels to people. But you're going to get a boatload of uh, in return for JT Real Muto, so you you have to be receptive to that. The key, though, be so flip it. You don't just move them to move them. You know you, that's the fire sale aspect. You move them because that's getting you the return, and that will kind of you know once your organization can recoup itself. Look what the Dodgers are doing. They're like what 40, 50 over, and uh, you know Adrian Gonzalez is their opening day first baseman. They got a 22-year-old kid in Cody Bellinger who's, like, uh, tearing it up up there in the home run lead, you know. And, and that guy, no one knew his name three months ago. So um, they can get away with that because they have the players. So, you know, we're starting to see a good international signing in, in July. They got a really good shortstop out of the Dominican Republic who's 17 years old. And, like I said, a couple of good draft picks. It's going to be, you know, our focus, in my opinion, is going to have to be on looking at that development, not that it all worked up, that Brad Ziegler may close for three weeks. You know, because this year is really kind of – it ended in May, realistically, when you go 5-15 and 15 and fall 15 under, especially when you're in division with the Nationals, you, you kind of dug yourself right there. So that's, to me, where it all ended. Yeah, all best-case scenario, let's kind of run it out and, well, finish a couple of games over so we can finally write and say on the air they're – 
didn't have a losing season since 09, you know, that means nothing to me. It's getting the right players and getting the right direction. All right, uh, I've got three questions in five minutes, so let's let's attack this, okay? Let's go with number one. It sounds like, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'll let you, but it seems like you have similar notions that Ken Rosenthal had when he wrote his letter to Jeffrey Loria about Stanton. Uh, yeah, and, and the thing is, the free Stanton thing, no, I mean, John Carlos is making a lot of money. You know, he's got a lot of say in this organization. It's not like, no, he doesn't need a pity party, and nor would he expect one. Um, yeah, that, you know, I'm almost thinking you could almost keep him and Phil, but if you did go that route, you have to basically get him on board, like, like Ryan Zimmerman was with the Nationals when they're terrible. Say, look, you're going to wait, you're going to ride it out a little bit more. Now, the difference is that Stanton's 27. He's having a great year, an MVP caliber year. He won't be the MVP, but, you know, a really, really good year. And you got to ask him, you're heading to your prime. We're really not there with you right now. So if we find he has a full no-trade clause. But let's say somehow he's involved in a a negotiation or renegotiation with Fox Sports Florida for a really competitive TV deal, that's a whole different ballgame. That's an economic thing. Now he's bigger than just the guy on the team. So, um, But generally speaking, if you're rebuilding, there's really not a lot of room for $25 million in one player. And that's not to say, oh, they're cheap because of this. It just doesn't make sense. You know, to, to carry that guy, unless the factors I just told you about pulling the into play. All right. Question number two, which is uh, I, <laughs> we've been having this debate. I had it yesterday with Captain Curtis, which okay. is uh, if we get to the point where this team gets a, a solid ownership in place, solid plan, building the team through a minor league system and starts to head in the right direction and maybe not win a World Series, but consistently at least look like they're competitive. Can can we get to the point where we're drawing fifteen to 20,000 fans a night at Marlins Park? Well, we need more than that. But, but uh, you know what? I'm an optimist, even though there's a lot of reasons to be pessimistic because they've had, had teams that underperformed in terms at the gate. But I'll say this. I think if no matter who's owning this team, if they're honest with their approach, if they're transparent and they're out there saying, look, you know, you know, the Cubs did it, you know, in Chicago a few years ago. And Theo said it's going to take three to five years. And guess what? They won 100 cut and something games, broke 108 year curse. If they could do it that way, if they could, you know, market their players, but market what they, what baseball's vision is for here and make it fun and in the meantime, grow with these guys. Instead of, well, I don't like the half messages. You know, like I asked Michael Hill last night, is this a rebuild? Well, I'm not going to classify it as that. Well, okay, I respect that, you know, but how do you see it anything but? <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, let's let's be honest and, and tell the people this is what's going on. Keep you up to date. Make, you know, reach out to you guys at 790 and all the radio stations with, you know, the best they can. And then this, there are a lot of really fun, exciting players in this game, and there's really no reason why this market is underperforming, and there's a lot uh, that's a whole different uh, segment, but I believe it can be uh, a, a place where fans go on a nightly basis, and uh, it can be an exciting time. Last but not least, uh, when does all this ownership stuff get uh, worked out? Uh, I'm not as optimistic as getting done as maybe some of the reports. Um, I, I still think sometime in the off season. All right. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Frisaro, F-R-I-S-A-R-O. Find his work. MLB.com is the best at covering the Marlins 
on the beat. Joe, I'll let you get to the park and uh, work your work your sources. All right, buddy. Uh, could be another busy day. All right, <laughs> Certainly we'll a busy two days. We'll, be, All right, buddy. Uh, we'll have the notifications on. All right. Take care. We'll do. See you. Joe Fasaro here on the ticket. Oh, I love that guy. Love that guy for a long time. He's he's he t- in a town that is not a baseball town. That guy brings you hardcore baseball, and we don't do it often, but we're, we're at the crossroads of this franchise. We're at the crossroads. This is this is a make it or break it time for this team to be relevant in South Florida. Gave you he gave you a little nugget there. Gave you a little bit of nugget there that if Derek Jeets can jump on the Jorge Moss. If they can get together on this ownership group, that Jeter's got some guys lined up to be front office executives, that could really be intriguing. I don't know who that is, but Fasaro does. He's not reported it yet. But that's a little bit of a nugget. That's something like that. Now we need Barry. Now we need the buzz to go dig. We need Barry Jackson to go digging. That's what we need right now. All right. We got Perk at 220. Good. We're going to talk football at 220. Uh, the tweets are coming in. There's People are sliding into my DM box. Uh, if you missed it earlier, I started out the show. Uh, I am being shameless and using the airwaves uh, for my own personal uh, situation. Not really my own personal situation. I'm currently married. That could uh, change any second now because my wife's going to boot me out of the front door. Um, but my best friend, female, hot, Jewish, American princess. So there's a little bit of whiny sometimes. But... Uh, Hot, hazel eyes, great smile, my age, PR professional, job with a ton of perks, looking for a boyfriend because she just got screwed over by some other guy. Not not right now. Like, this is not a rebound thing, but was really close to tying the knot, and this dude bugged out. And uh, I'm having to have an intervention because she went on a date last night with a guy from West Virginia, and that can't happen. So just because of that, uh, if you're interested uh, slide into my DMs, and I'll, I'll I have to vet you. I've been doing it during like when Joe was uh, going off on uh, farm systems and stuff like that. I was busy vetting people in my DMs at Miami Radio Beast. Feel free to slide in there. I mean, to my DMs, not to her because we're not. You know, she's like at least a third date situation. I mean, maybe. Uh, well, maybe first, but you really have to be extraordinary. Stop. Stop what? Just stop. You're good. I have so much I want to say right now, but we'll back after this in the ticket. Thanks to Joe Fasaro from MLB.com for uh, joining the show. A lot of nuggets there. A lot of stuff going on. He believes... uh, I took her out. Another trade could happen within the hour, so we'll be uh, monitoring uh, all of that. Do we have any Adam Gase sound that Jordan has gotten cut up? All right, uh, we'll get to that in a second. First, let me tell you, Facted Up, here at every Friday with Romberg on the morning show, sponsored by Botran Rum, the taste of perfection, award-winning Botran Rum, rum that is not just aged but nurtured. I love a little nurtured rum. you got to nurture your rum. Nurture your rum. Um... What do we have that's good from Gase, Matt? What do we what do we have that that's juicy or worth playing or Adam Gase has Byron Maxwell trying to be the best corner in the NFL. What do you think about that, Beast? Best corner in the NFL, Byron Maxwell? Let's let's hear what he has to say. One of the things about Maxwell that, that I've always appreciated is 
the his ability to put himself kind of in that one-on-one situation and he really wants to be the best corner whether it's in the league on this team however he looks at it he just wants to be the best guy especially on the field that day and he he does a good job of kind of knowing his weaknesses and what he needs to work on and that's what he tries to do in practice just like Richard Sherman no not here were the top uh, according to NFL.com the top cornerbacks in the league last year Richard Sherman Patrick Peterson Chris Harris Jr. Marcus Peters, Josh Norman, Janoris Jenkins, Adam Jones, Xavier Rhodes, Akib Talib, Jalen Ramsey. Those are your top 10. On the outside looking in, not even in the top 10, but like honorable mention. Bradley Roby from the Broncos, Darius Slay from the Lions, Jonathan Joseph from the Texans, Terrence Newman from the Vikings, Dominic Rogers Cromartie from the Giants, Casey Howard, Chargers, Brent Grimes, and his lovely wife, Miko, uh, with the Buccaneers. Byron Maxwell is going to have to get a lot better to make that list. There are a lot of good cornerbacks in this league. Not saying that he can't be a good cornerback or a great cornerback but there's a far climb to go. That was some good coach speak, though, from Adam Gates. we have any, anything else that's uh, of, of note? Got a little bit of uh, Devontae Parker's performance thus far in camp. Oh, that's huge. How's he doing uh, three days in with the pajamas on? Let's find out. Well, it's, I mean, it started last year when he, when he kind of got on that schedule that, that Sean put together and that got him kind of rolling, and then he's – gone out on his own and started working with guys to, you know, help him with his running and his training and the way he practices. You, you can tell it looks the same as it does in the game for the most part. When he comes out to practice, I mean, you're getting full go the whole practice. When he comes out to practice, you're getting full go the whole practice. Amazing. It's words like that that give me the chills. It's coach speak that like that that makes me want to run through a wall. When he gets out to practice, he gives it a full go. I am riveted. Did, so, did someone, can we check the FTP? Antoine, check the FTP or show Matt how to check the FTP. Belichick yesterday, you know, they're asking him all these questions about camp, and he's just like, he may, I, I forget what his answer was, but like, you guys are busy talking about, well, some guy making us catch in camp. What the hell are you talking about? That was, that was way more animated than Belichick. But, I mean, listen, report, we'll talk to Perkins, Chris Perkins, coming up in a half an hour. And he's going to give us a breakdown. I'm going to ask all the hacky questions. How's this guy looking? How's this guy looking? Who's looking good? Who's looking bad? He's going to give us all the answers. But in the end, it all means nothing. It all means absolutely nothing. It's... It's like being on your mock trial team. In the end... 
It wasn't a real trial. I don't know why I pulled that. I don't know where I pulled that from. All right. We'll take a break, get back on track. Got to make sure we're all over the EAS test coming down in a minute. And uh, we'll see if we can effort some Bill Belichick sound because he was great yesterday. Chris Perkins coming up in 20 minutes. Last hour of the B Show coming up after this here on The Ticket. The Beast back here on El Boleto. Bring this up a little bit. Come on. Hit me with this. Come on. Uh, uh. Yeah, yeah. You're in your car. Dance with me. You're in your car. Come on and dance with me. Let's go. Uh, dance with me. Uh, 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 uh. Now throw your hands way up in the air. Wave them all around like you just don't care. If you want to party hard with the beast, somebody say, oh, yeah. God, I just took it back to like 87. Oh, yeah. No, you didn't. That was, you didn't. That was rhetorical. You didn't. Matt, you didn't have to. God, you're white. Anyways, uh, Jesus. What just happened? That wasn't meant to... Oh, okay. I'm just dancing in the studio, acting like a fool. All right! This music totally does not go with this liner, so we have to bring this music down. Because I got to get my rock voice on. The machine is back at it. Guns N' Roses coming to Marlins Park August 8th. I'll be there, by the way. With the, my wife and uh, kid are going to be out of town. Who am I taking with, with to that concert? Who wants to go? Huh? Hmm? Who wants to go to the Guns N' Roses with me? Because my wife and my kid, who are supposed to go with me, are ditching me. They're going out of town. Or should I just sell the tickets and make a lot of money? Think about that. Anyways, uh, it's the Not In This Lifetime Tour. It's the Rock Spectacle of 2017. You know the deal. Slash Duff right there with Axel. The ticket's giving you a chance to be there. Join us inside Lilt Lounge at the Epic Hotel downtown Miami. Saturday, August 5th. From 8 to 10 p.m. where we'll be giving away seven pairs of GNR tickets. Including two pairs of premium tickets that come with the night stay at the Epic Hotel. You can go to the show get absolutely obliterated, and go stay at the Epic and miss work the next day. That's amazing. For more information on the Epic Hotel concert series, that place is great, visit epichotel.com. Guns N' Roses, not in this lifetime tour, coming to Marlins Park. We're giving you a chance to be there on AM790 FM 104.3 HD2. The ticket. Cannot wait. So excited. Saw the show when they were up in Orlando. I'm telling you, it's worth the price of admission. I'm telling you, you're going to want to be there. It is a rock spectacle. Um, just, it, it, I was thinking about this in the drive-in because I was listening to the Guns N' Roses channel on Sirius XM. There's something, most bands, right? A lot of bands. If you go see a band and it's the original lead singer, like, normally that's enough to get you through, right? Like, Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. Now, a lot of diehards would be upset with this, but as much as all of his crew, Max Weinberg and 
uh, his uh, guitar players are completely escaping me now. Little Stevie and uh, the, the 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 other guy uh, with the uh, Nils. Uh, it's killing me. Nils Lofgren, is that it? Uh, and and you know, obviously, uh, Clarence was a part of that until he passed away. But if you went and saw Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band, it was just the E Street Band and like Chuck singing, like that would suck. Most bands, if the lead singer is there, like that's what's important. Now, I would make a case that Journey, uh, finding this dude from the Philippines who can sing his butt off. Not the same as Steve Perry, but he gets it done enough that when you, if you go see them, it's a good show. I saw the Guns N' Roses with Axel and his band of merry men, like Buckethead or whatever idiot was playing guitar, and it, and it was it was a fine show. Like they played all the hits, and I got to sing along, but it wasn't the same because when the first notes of "Welcome to the Jungle." are played and it's not slash on the guitar like you're just like eh eh like there's something about that band where you need Axel slash and Duff to make it work now they have a d- different drummer uh it's not Matt Sorum it's not uh Steve Adler they they do have Dizzy Bleeping Reed I love the fact that every time Axel introduces their keyboard player, he's like, and on the keys, Mr. Dizzy Bleeping Reed. He doesn't say bleeping. Um, 